Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So, how many of you again, how many of you were here last week? My, my good friend Josh Wood from Australia was, was preaching an a incredibly dynamic, powerful message last week. Um, it was really, really good. And for some of you maybe that were, were sitting closer, you would have noticed actually that his pupils were dilated and he wasn't making eye contact probably halfway through the sermon. Um, and, uh, and Kenny actually noticed that, that even his hand was, was shaking a little bit even before he got up. And so um, what Josh was actually experiencing, just it was very simply medical. I think sometimes in church settings, uh, we could take things that are medical and make them spiritual. Um, but what he was experiencing was medical. It was actually like the, the uh, pre-seizure uh, experience. My wife, Lauren, uh, actually had seizures uh, up until 12 years ago. Um, and so I uh, actually saw her experience exactly what Josh had experienced, although she was not on the middle of the stage uh, in front of a few hundred people when she experienced it. She was just uh, at home in our, in our house. Um, and, and so what he experienced actually was, was just plainly just a seizure, and he was experiencing kind of the things that you would experience before, uh, before a seizure. And this was actually the second seizure that Josh uh, ever had experienced. The first one was five years ago. He was actually had just finished preaching, which I don't know if that's actually just coincidental. He had just finished preaching, um, and, and then he had a seizure um, at church in Australia. And that seizure led to the discovery of a brain tumor. And so that, that brain tumor they actually did surgery on, and um, they were able to get most of it, but they actually um, they weren't sure what was tumor tissue and it was brain tissue, and in order not to take out uh, large chunks of his brain, they did the best that they could, but, but uh, we knew actually that they did not get it all and that he had a tumor that was growing. What we did not know is that it had grown to the size that it was at um, that would cause uh, the seizure that he experienced, and that seizure was on, or that tumor was on the back uh, of his head by his optic nerve, which is why his vision uh, was impaired and why it looked like he was seeing things, because a lot of times when you have seizures, you actually, it, it affects your vision and, and you think you see stuff outside of your field of vision because you're beginning to get tunnel vision. Um, and so uh, Josh's seizure actually, uh, I think, probably startled quite a few of us. If you were here, uh, that, that moment uh, was quite terrifying. Here's, here's what's interesting that was actually going on at the same time. When Josh had that seizure, he had, just, he had been talking about uh, God's healing power. And it had people just stand up to receive healing. And before he had the chance to pray uh, for them, he actually kind of f- fell um, off of the stage. And uh, his wife and I and maybe a couple others helped uh, catch him and, and lower him down. Um, but in that moment, uh, just before he fell, people were standing to receive prayer for healing. And he never prayed. And yet people were actually healed. Isn't that phenomenal? So uh, my friend Bobby, Bobby, where are you? I've got Bobby's permission, I think, to point him out. Um, Bobby actually works for a company called Anderson Windows. If you remember, uh, about halfway through the sermon, Josh stopped and asked uh, if there was anybody uh, associated with Anderson, maybe a business. That was actually uh, Bobby. So Bobby stood for ministry 
for healing for his foot at the end and uh, has not had any pain in his foot since then. Um, so, so then uh, the EMS show up. We take uh, Josh to the, or they take Josh to the hospital, and then the next few days we're in the hospital. Um, pretty, or I'm in the hospital pretty regularly. He's there semi-permanently. Um, and on the Fourth of July, he uh, after he actually had been praying for healing um, all week. Had had people c- uh, coming by and praying for him. People. Uh, calling in and praying for him. And, and here's what's interesting. We're going to use this word a couple more times, mystery, but uh, I think to me this is a mystery because uh, about a year ago we had a man here who had uh, been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and um, Diane actually went and prayed for him, and the next day he had a scan done and that brain tumor was gone. Um, and uh, And also last year, um, our region kind of rallied for prayer for this girl named Roxley. And, and uh, the, Lauren and I went to a prayer meeting for Roxley, and all over our region, people were praying for Roxley. Roxley was 11 years old with brain cancer. And it got put on the news that she had been healed. Like you can see actual, like the, the brain scans that she had been healed. And, and so Josh had been receiving prayer actually for quite a while, received prayer uh, this last week, um, we prayed for him quite a bit. And uh, how many of you know that, that God is not just the author of power, but he's also the author of wisdom? And so, so Josh actually went into surgery, and I think sometimes we, we get put in this place where it's like, well, if I have faith, should I have surgery or, or medical inter- intervention? And I'd just like to say that I strongly believe that the same God who heals by power heals by the surgeon's hand, right? And so it doesn't, it's not less faith to go into surgery. Sometimes it's, it's actually faith and wisdom mixed together that would lead us into a place to resur- receive uh, surgery. Here's what's interesting. The surgeon walks into Josh's room, a neurosurgeon, uh, considered one of the best, I think, in the nation. This guy is really, really good. It's, n- it's not a coincidence that God would bring Josh all the way around the world from Australia here, one, to be with this church family who has poured out so much love on him over and his family over the last week, but also to be with one of the best surgeons in the whole world. And so the surgeon walks into the room, and pretty quickly he quotes Josh's life verse to him. How many of you have heard of surgeons who are prophetic? Isn't that phenomenal? And, and so he quotes Josh's life verse to him. He actually prays for Josh um, just before he goes into surgery. Brenda, who is a, a pre-op nurse, said she's been in uh, a whole lot of, of uh, pre-operation um, settings, and she's never seen a doctor that uh, has prayed for his patient and then actually prayed for himself that the Holy Spirit would guide his hands. Isn't that awesome? So the surgeons then uh, do, they said it was going to be four to six hours, and so we've actually, Lauren and I have their kids with us, and so we're getting regular updates, and four to six hours turns to eight, turns to over 12 hours of surgery. And, uh, and they were just very meticulous to, to do everything they can to get everything that they could get. 
And what they found was actually two tumors. There was a tumor behind the tumor. And um, and altogether, it, it measured, I don't know the depth, but it was uh, two inches by four inches. Now, that's in, in his skull. Now, my, my skull probably has a little extra room in it because I got a big head and a small brain. But... But most people don't have, have that much room, which would be that pressure would actually be what had caused the seizure. And so they were able to get the majority of the tumor, and now they have him on a, a pathway uh, to receive some radiation and chemo. We can still pray, and we should, and we will keep praying that God would heal him and that he wouldn't have to go through those things. God can, can do that. Um, but it, it, it is a, a mystery to me why uh, some people are healed in the moment, by one prayer. Why others, it takes, uh, takes thousands of people actually praying and they're healed. And then why another, it's at a surgeon's hand. And, and I, I think if, if we're willing to be the people of God in this time, then we're going to have to be willing to embrace mystery. And, and what I've found is, is this, that mystery is actually an invitation to intimacy. That, that when things don't make sense, that it's actually, I'm not going to back away from God in fear or in blame, but I'm actually going to draw near to God, trusting his character over my circumstances. And I think as we begin to do that, what we'll see is that God is actually doing something in us, not just for us or through us. But that God is actually, he, his desire is that he would be maturing us to look like his son, Jesus. No, I don't say that this way. I don't think that God is the author of cancer or the author of sickness. I don't think that he sends sickness on people so that then he could be the superhero later on. I don't think that's the way that God works. What, what I think God is doing is that he is actually seeing his glory cover the whole earth. And we're not there yet. And so as his kingdom advances, there's a couple of things that happen. One is, is that I think the enemy gets a little bit stirred up. Because we're taking territory that used to be his. And as we take territory that used to be his, he, he wants to go on the defensive. What I, what I love that Jesus says is that when he's talking to Peter, he says that I'll give you the, the keys and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Here's what's interesting about gates. These gates are not offensive, they're defensive. Who's going to attack you with their gate? Right? Have you ever been beat up by a gate? Don't answer that if you have. <laughs> we'll have a ministry team here for you later. No, what, what I've noticed as I read scripture is that God is not on the defensive. Absolutely, he defends us, but he is not on the defensive. He's on the offensive. And he is taking the enemy's territory and he's raiding it. And, and as we see the kingdom advance, what we find is we find ourselves in moments where there is a fog of war, where we're in, the, we're in the middle of a mess. And sometimes not everything makes sense in the moment. But as we continue to press forward, what we see is that we have a God who is victorious. And I think if we let the moments that we're in dictate our perspective of the goodness of God, then we'll miss it. But when I allow the goodness of God to dictate my perspective in the moments that I'm in, then I get to be victorious. 
You see, what the enemy would like for us to do is to be a people who retreat and get victimized by the battle that we're in. So often, I mean, when you, when you read this, here, here's what we have. We have uh, this mystery and this tension. We, we have the finished work of Jesus, right? Like, he's done it. He's accomplished it. He's paid the price. He's given us everything that we need, right? But he's also put us in the place where we are implementing the victory that he has already paid for. And so there's this tension that it's finished, and yet it's in the middle of being implemented and applied and appropriated for us on our behalf so that the glory of God would cover the whole earth. And so in the middle of that, what we see is that there is tension and there is, there, there, there is difficulty. Not everything is always easy. I think we live in a generation that wants everything just to make sense immediately. We demand answers immediately. We want everything just to line up and be comfortable immediately. But that's not the way that God is working. In fact, what he tells us is that we should rejoice when we face persecution and that we should endure hardship as discipline. And what I've found is that he isn't looking to offer us an exit plan. And he, he doesn't have a, a retreat plan either. Instead, what he wants to do is train us in the middle of difficulty. And if we're willing to embrace the training, what we'll find is our own strengthening and that he's actually going to use us in the lives of others to see his kingdom advance. Go with me real quick to Acts chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. Here's what's interesting. They had been arrested before and released. And then all of a sudden they're arrested, and here's James put to death. Question, did James lose? No. James didn't lose. Right? He, he, he's, he's with God forever. James didn't lose. Did the church lose in that moment? Yes. They lost James, who I think was probably supposed to still be with them. Let's keep reading, and we'll learn a little bit more in this. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Verse 3, when he saw this, and when he saw that this was met, with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Here's what Herod wants to do. It doesn't say it directly, but you can read between the lines. Herod wanted to kill Peter because he realized that his own political deal would be like boosted, his political favor would be boosted uh, if he killed Peter, just like it was when he killed James. And it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. Here's the difference. They had seen people released 
from prison before. And so they then just begin to expect that that was the norm. And so they didn't pray for James. And they lost in that battle. They didn't win the war, or they didn't lose the battle, but they did. They didn't lose the war, but they lost that battle. And, and yet, they recognize in that moment that they're in a battle. Like it's finished, but it still has to be implemented. And so, they, they realize essentially this is an act of repentance. They turned the other direction, and they begin praying fervently for Peter. And it says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with, with, two, uh, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. He was well protected. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, uh, the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was actually happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Then he passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Then it went, then they went through it. When they walked through when they walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. But when this, but when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda that's the name right there, Rhoda. I don't hear that one too often. Came to answer the door, and when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. Have you ever been astonished when God answers prayer? Here they are. They're all in the room praying for Peter to be released, and then all of a sudden Peter's released. And they're like, <laughs> no, that can't be true. You're out of the mind. When she kept insisting that, that it was, they said, it must be his angel. Still not believing. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then they left for another place. As I was praying the other day, just for us and trying to, to get gain insight just on, okay, what, what's going on, God? What are, you, what are you doing? Like, it's not normal that somebody who's speaking would have a seizure and fall off the stage, right? And, and so just asking God, okay, God, what's, what's going on? And, and, and I, I love this verse. It said, so... Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And as I was praying, I was, I was reminded of this phrase that I had heard before. 
you've probably heard it, that comes from uh, the admiral who was in charge of attacking Pearl Harbor for the Japanese. And he said this, he said, I fear we've awakened a sleeping giant. And I believe that what we've experienced, that God is always working for good. And what I fear is that what's just happened is that there's been a sleeping giant awakened in Sozo Church. That even more that we're going to lay our hands on the sick and we're going to see them healed. We're going to pray and see that God moves in mighty and powerful ways. We're going to see God move like we've never seen him move before. We're not going to back down because we face a little bit of resistance and there's a little bit of, 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 of stuff going on, but we're actually going to press on and to see all that God has for us. Amen? So here's what I want to do. Many of you last week about this time were standing to receive healing in your bodies, and some of you received it and others of you did not, but I, I think it's right that we would actually pick up where Josh left off, that we wouldn't back down, but that we would actually press forward. So if you need healing in your body, whether you're standing last week or not, I just want to go ahead and ask you to stand. And here's what I want us to do, just like we did a few minutes ago. Why don't you, if you're not standing, why don't you find somebody to go lay hands on? If you're standing right now, what I'd ask that you would do is if uh, you can put your hand on the part nearest the, the pain or the issue in your body. And we're just going to agree with you in prayer. And y'all don't wait for me to pray. Go ahead and start praying. Some of you are going to feel an immediate change in, in your condition. And if you do, I'd like for you to just raise your hand. That way we can celebrate with you.
And Jesus, we just thank you that you love to heal. That you already paid for it at the cross in your blood that you already decided you're not deciding now. You've already decided. And so by faith, we just appropriate your healing ministry, Jesus. Just release it here. In a moment, I'm going to ask our uh, ministry team. Actually, our ministry team this morning is going to be our leadership team. They're going to be available to pray with you. And I've heard that some of you, uh, and rightfully so, that that last Sunday was a little bit traumatic and that it was difficult for you to process. And so um, we would love to pray with you. And if you have anything else we could pray with you about, we'd love to. Um, In a room this size, there are often people who... um, who've never trusted their life to Jesus. And so if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, to say, hey, I'm all in, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I would invite you to do that this morning. I just want to share a couple more thoughts with you. Um, you, can, you can go ahead and stand if you want or sit. It doesn't really matter. Kneel, lie down, whatever you want to do. Um, the, uh, the, the brilliant contemporary philosopher Mike Tyson He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And there are are moments when when we get hit, that's just a part of life. Like things don't go the way that we planned. Things don't seem to work out the way that we wanted them to. We don't have control of the things that we think we should have control over. But I'd like to suggest to you that our foundation, our starting point is the, the love of God and the goodness of God. That when everything seems to be a mess, that we can retreat into him and allow him to be victorious on our behalf. I love what Paul writes in, in Romans 8. I'm going to go there real quick. He says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's you. That God is always working on your behalf. And so maybe the situation you're in right now doesn't seem like it's going the way that a good God would have it go, but I just want you to know that he's not finished yet. That he's still working on your behalf. And that he is not lifting his love from you. Go on down to verse 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all good things? God's not holding out on you. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies he then is the one who, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who raised, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, we Uh, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. 
You're not under your circumstances. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So as we wrap up, here's what I want to do. I want to take a minute and pray for the Woods family. Um, They uh, come from Australia, and the medical care that Australia has does not extend into the U.S., and so they're facing all sorts of medical uh, stuff as well as just just recovery and, and shock and all that stuff. Their minds are so focused on God. I'm amazed. I was texting with Elise this morning, Josh's wife, and they're praying for us. That's crazy. They're praying for us. So we want to pray for them, um, and we want to continue to love on them. And if you would like to give uh, to them just to help with, with where they are, you can do that by writing on the envelope in the back. Um, you could just put Woods Family. You can also text that number and then just put Josh at the end of it, and that money will go uh, to them. But we just want to come around, around them. Um, we're adopting them into our Sozo family. And we're going to continue to love and care for them. So would you just join hands with me? And we're going to pray for them. And, and we'll finish by praying for each other. And then uh, actually, uh, leadership team, you guys can come on down and, and get ready to pray for people. Jesus, we thank you that you're really good and that you're not just good, but you're good to us. Lord, we thank you that you are at work. Lord, we thank you for bringing the Wood family here. And Lord, we thank you that you are working their healing out. And so Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for a miraculously quick recovery for Josh. We say any traces of cancer, you have to go in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask for your presence to be more real to them in this season than they've ever experienced before. And Lord, we thank you that you're fighting on their behalf. Lord, I just lift up this church family. Lord, I thank you for the resolve that you've put in us. Lord, I thank you for the call that you have for us to see your kingdom advance in our own lives, in our region, and to the ends of the earth. And we will not back down in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Amen.